Jesse here. And Travis. We are, uh, we're amateurs. We're novices. First timers. Noobs, perhaps? Yeah, we Do people still use that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, our audio quality isn't the best in episodes negative one and episode one because we are still learning things. We sorted out a lot of those issues recording episode two. So we just wanted everybody to know that the audio quality does get better. So if this absolutely grates your nerves on the first couple of episodes you listen to, just know that we sort some stuff out. Please don't assume that it's going to be like this the whole time. Yeah, this right here is much more representative of what it's going to be like going forward. Yes, and it potentially will get even better as we learn more things. So just stick it out with us, guys. All right, thank you. We're we're your least favorite podcast. Hi, welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about our least favorite aspects and most debatable opinions of our most favorite scary movies. My name's Jesse. And my name is Travis. And today I'm going to be explaining why Friday the 13th, the original, is a classic. And not only is it a good slasher movie, but it deserves the respect that it has within the horror community. And it should be held to high regards, especially by some people who happen to be right here to my side. A.K.A. Travis is gatekeeping the horror genre. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a little bit of a runny nose right now, so... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's winter, it's snowing, it was 60 degrees earlier this week, it's just kind of, it's all kinds of crazy. Yeah, I've got cats, and I'm allergic to cats, but yes. you know... That's neither here nor there. Anyway. Yeah, Friday the 13th. Okay, (laughs) so the original, released back in 1980. It's directed by Sean Cunningham, and it was written by Victor Miller. Uh, But most importantly, because, I mean, we all know him, we all love him. It was featuring effects. By Tom Savini. By Tom Savini, exactly. And everybody knows who he is. Everybody should know. He's part of one of the reasons why this movie is so great. Um, but also music by Harry Manfredini, who also brings a great score to this movie. Yes, I learned that he spent a long time in the hospital after the release of this movie. Did he? Yes, he he suffered a back injury from carrying this whole movie. Oh god! By himself. <laughs> I thought you were serious. I was like, is that what was that something in the extras that I didn't catch? No. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, so this movie stars Adrian King as Alice, the final girl, and also Betsy Palmer as Miss Voorhees, who is the villain in this movie. It's not Jason, as you know, some people are probably disappointed. But you know, a lot of people seem to misremember. Um, you know, very very famous moment in the first Scream movie. Where he asks who's the killer in Friday the 13th. And she says, Jason, 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 I saw that movie 20 goddamn times. And I feel like that's a lot of people when they talk about this movie. But Friday the 13th, Jason. Yeah. I mean, the franchise is Jason. But, you know, it starts with her. It's fine. Um, Betsy Palmer's a delight. She doesn't. From everything we saw behind the scenes. She's just. She didn't seem. Super interested. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't seem super interested as an old lady, but she was really cute and just she wore her little yeah, sweater enough. sets to the con. Like she showed up to the con. That's true. Okay. Uh, okay. But Maybe hey. I, my standards are lower for old people being delightful. I think. Okay. Um, we'll call that a personal issue. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so anyway. also <laughs> worth mentioning, I think uh, this movie features Kevin Bacon. Um, 
it's not his first movie like I originally thought, but it was four years before Footloose, so it was before he got loose with the feet. Yeah, he was he was practicing kicking off his Sunday shoes because um you know what he was doing in the what? knocking boots. Yeah, he was knocking his knocking boots. boots. He was knocking his Sunday shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So uh, surprisingly, Friday the Thirteenth did not uh, get good reception from critics, at least from what I saw. I don't. I saw a couple of reviews from back in the day. I'm not sure if this was mixed from like current reviews or, you know, also featuring old ones. I did see one, but um, yeah, I feel like this thing has kind of been carried by the audience as the reason why it's still a franchise to this day, kind of. I feel like that's kind of true with a lot of horror movies. Yeah. It, it tends to be overlooked a lot by critics. Um, I mean, we're going through a bit of a horror renaissance, but we saw even... God, Tony Collette was robbed. Was robbed with Hereditary. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we still see some of these, you know, controversial critic opinions, and it's just... It's it's a weird genre. That's why we're all here to talk about it together, because... Uh, yeah. Nobody gets it, and it's not a phase, Mom. This is who I am. You just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I feel like it wasn't exactly respected back in the day, especially in the 80s. I mean, there was some good horror movies that, you know, oh, got sure. respect. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the Hitchcock stuff. But, yeah, this wasn't one of them. Um, <laughs> so, um, I'm going to go ahead and, for those... This is our first episode, so yes. we give our if, own If personal you can't ratings. tell from us finding our feet yeah. in here, we are not feeding? Footing. Finding our footing. Our feet are not loose. Our, yeah, our feet are very much tight. Yes, we, yeah, tight. our Sunday shoes are on. They're a size too small, and they're glued <laughs> to the ground. Um, but yeah, we we're not we're not professionals in any way, shape, or form. We're just nerds talking about this stuff, and hopefully, as you listen along with us over the coming weeks, we will get a little bit better with this. Yeah. But one of the things we plan to do each week is we are going to give our personal ratings before our discussions. And then our ratings after the discussions to see if uh, we have swayed each other's minds at all. Yeah. This is a uh, Wilson versus Wilson right here, and it's knockdown drag out. And this is how we spend most of our Saturday nights. It's so true. welcome to our lives. If you ever wanted to be a part of our marriage, which most people do because we're amazing, <laughs> um, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So, Trav. Okay. How would you rate this movie after we watched it? I would rate this a seven out of ten. I think it's a good movie. I think it does a lot of things really well. Um, it definitely has some things that hold it back, but when it excels, I feel like it actually really like does it well. So, so uh, before we watched the movie, I was fairly certain that my memory was going to tell me three out of ten. And I did not want to start off our podcast giving Friday the 13th a three out of ten, because I feel like I'm going to say enough unpopular things as it is. Um, but it held up better on a rewatch than I thought it would. Um, and the story was not, don't hate me. The story was not as boring as I remembered it being. Um, so I actually ended up giving it a six out of 10. That is super surprising to me. (laughs) I know as much shit as I've talked about Friday the 13th, just part one. I love the Jason movies and I, I, and don't think that I dislike Betsy Palmer. I just called her a nice old lady. Sorry, Betsy Palmer, for calling you old. She it's is just old. true. It's she just true. Yeah, it's just accurate. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to be old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I love Jason as a character. Yeah. And 
um, I'm just going to go ahead and give my hot fucking take on this movie right now that a lot of people say they love Friday the 13th Part 1 and consider it a classic, but they're just kind of blowing smoke up their own asses, and it's really not a movie that they love, and they love the rest of the franchise that is Jason Voorhees directly related. Um... And that this is only considered a classic out of nostalgia. Yeah, that's just fucking disrespectful. Okay. Okay, here's my... I'll I'll go... I'm gonna go... Let me defend myself right right off the bat. Um, A big part of the problem I have with this... And we're gonna get to the Jason Voorhees versus Mrs. Voorhees issue later because I have a lot of opinions on that and that they tie in a lot more to the end of the movie. Okay. And I think we need to talk about the end of the movie at length. Um, I think we do too. So so we don't tell each other like everything we're going to say before we do this right now. I say that like we've been doing this a long time. This is our first episode. Hi, internet. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we kind of gave a general idea of what points we were planning to discuss. That way we would have an idea of what direction the discussion was going to go and you know, what kind of counterpoints to have ready. Yeah, we took notes, too. Yeah, we, we yeah we have multiple notes of things that we, we were noticing while we were watching the movie. It was kind of weird. Um, I just got out of school, and now it's like, I'm doing yeah. I'm doing notes all over again. Um, it's fun, though. Well, I don't know, depending on... Well, you, you enjoy yeah, what you do. Yeah, but, no, um, I enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's fun in a different way. Yeah, it's fun in a different way. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that one of my biggest problems that I have with this movie is that I just like, I just don't care about the characters. I just don't. They're, they're not well-written enough. They, they are very much, um, they're very much two dimensional. And I think that works better in the later movies because, you know, the special effects get more of a chance to shine here. Mm -hmm. Um, but as it is, even though, like, the story, it kind of keeps moving pace. It works a lot better than I, my memory told me to. Um, but I just, like, I just did not give a shit about these super two-dimensional characters. I just didn't. Um, let's see. Let's see what I've got written in my notes here. Um, I was like, it starts off, we've got this flash to 1958. Mm-hmm. And they're singing Jesus songs by the fire. And I've got a whole running list in my notes trying to figure out if this is a standard summer camp if it's i where is camp crystal lake supposed to be i think Do it's in it? new jersey i mean it was filmed in new jersey it was filmed in new jersey where I is it supposed think, to be set i think it's set in new jersey okay because yeah. i and um my big thing was trying to figure out what kind of a campus is if it's a standard summer camp if there's like a religious affiliation with it because they are definitely singing religious songs um were they? What were they yeah singing? they were singing uh I didn't write down. I just wrote singing hymns, question mark, because they were talking about, like, the river and, like, Jeremiah or something. I don't know. Something that's not a biblical. Okay. I just thought that they were just doing general, like, campfire songs. No, but it really it really did sound like they were singing that, and it kind of made me wonder, like, is this a religious camp or is it in a religious town? It's definitely in a small town. Yeah, Because everybody sure. seems to know everybody's business. Um, so I just, I had some questions right mm-hmm. off the bat there. Travis, as you know, listeners, as you don't, I spent several summers at Jesus Camp growing up. 
Um, and I think that that kind of gives me a whole different perspective on this movie because there's this whole, you know, and we talk about in horror movies, there's morality around having sex, right? Mm -hmm. It's seen as this, like, it's this big thing. It's like the kiss of and, death. Yes, it's the kiss of death in horror movies. And in religion, it's, you know, it, it, you're not supposed to do it before marriage and it's only for procreation and there's this and that. Um, and regardless of what your beliefs are, it definitely influences how sex is viewed in horror movies. And a lot of times it is. It is seen as a really bad thing. Um, and we see that right away because one of the camp counselors, Claudette, um, I just wrote, Claudette got deep first. <laughs> so she takes this other camp counselor up there um, who he's apparently into Marianne. Uh, and like he's got this half-ass attempt at romance he's like no baby I've only got eyes for you and she's like cool panties drop to the ground which whatever girl get yours I don't care you're on the clock so that's a little bit unprofessional it's camp dude. but it is Come camp yeah. so it's like when are you on the clock when are you off the clock I it was remember, late I feel like yeah it yeah. was late at yeah. night but and there were clearly counselors down there singing Jesus hymns yeah, with, with the with they're the all campers. fine the kids are fine they're getting their Jesus hymns hey. by a guitar guy down there and yeah, it's all yeah. Good. they can go and um, talk if they want to and but like so we we don't really get a feel for these characters right away other than they're at camp and there's like some relationship drama but they're gonna bone in this attic that has so many potential weapons. Mrs. Voorhees comes in clearly ready to kill because she killed dude bro right away. Yeah. And then Claudette's like, no, don't kill me. And she just runs around all of these boxes and there's so many things up there that she could use to defend herself. Dude. And even if you're not experienced in any kind of self-defense, that survival instinct kicks in. And she, all she did was she threw an empty box at Mrs. Voorhees. Well, she didn't know it was empty. It could have been filled with knives. I don't know. It could have been filled with anything. I just, I just Possibilities there, are endless. There were just so many potential weapons up there. And this is this is a gripe that I have in a lot of horror movies. I do not like it when characters make bad decisions. And I'm not saying, like, they have to make perfect decisions all the time. Because I get high-stress situations. You've got fight, flight, or freeze. She was not doing any of those. She was playing uh, duck, duck, goose around the cardboard boxes in the attic. Like, I just, I want, I want something logical happening. And this kind of goes throughout the whole movie for me, um, is that all of these characters are making decisions that don't seem to really fully make sense because we don't get a sense of what the characters are. Okay. Now, maybe Claudette, it, maybe she's weak. Maybe she's got... Maybe she's anemic. I don't know. And she can't, she can't wield a weapon. I don't know. I don't know anything about Claudette. All I know is that she does not pay attention to her surroundings. She doesn't care that her boyfriend's got another girlfriend. And... Uh, Summer love, man. Yeah, yeah like... Yeah. Well, I don't think that that was that bad, okay? Like, it's a horror movie. And I know that, you know, people <laughs> always say, like, yeah, horror movie characters are stupid. Like, it's... I feel like it's easy to be on the other end of things and be like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, what? That's so stupid. Like, unless you're put in that scenario, like, you don't know how you would react. That's true. Like, would you grab a fucking box and throw it at somebody? I mean, if it's there, 
I would, but yeah. I've done I've done self defense stuff. I would do more than throw the empty the box. I would be doing okay. I would be doing a lot more than that. <laughs> See, I thought you were saying I've no. done self defense. I know how to throw a box. <laughs> yes, I do. I do know how to throw a box. Them. Yes, yeah. exactly. They do, Travis. Okay, us. okay. Uh, <laughs> but okay. yeah, it it just and then I think what really what really upset me about it was that both of these kills are off screen. So I don't care about these characters. I don't know if this is Jesus Camp or regular Camp. Don't know who the killer is. Don't know their motive. All I know is these people probably got killed. And this yeah. is my biggest gripe because it's such a waste of Tom Savini. We get to see the yes. after effects. And I know that not all of the kills are off screen in this movie. But we just... we. <laughs> And it, I guess it's so easy to come at it from a 2021 perspective where we know what Tom is capable of. Well, We're on is, a first name basis. Well, no. uh, <laughs> at this point, I'm pretty sure he's like well known, like not like as well known as he is now, but like he was recruited for this movie because yeah. of Dawn of the Dead. Yes. So, I mean, he obviously, like his stuff is out there for display already. Yes. But yeah, okay. Well, which Dawn of the Dead. Going back into the moralizing, and is this a religious basis? Is it not? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, at the end, we know that it's supposedly all about her son, but I think she's got mixed motives here, too, and I'm going to get to that later. Um, but Dawn of the Dead was also a fairly controversial movie, if I remember, because there's a whole lot of sociopolitical commentary in it. Yeah. So it's not yeah, like Tom Savini is afraid of being associated with that kind of thing. So when mm. I'm sitting here and I'm like, is there a deeper message here? Which we know from behind the scenes that... Um, Steve Miller? Is that his first name? No, Steve Miller is the... Who are you talking about? The writer. Uh, I erased that part. I wrote it down somewhere. It was something like that. I think it's Steven Miller. If not, forgive us, because, you know, we don't have this stuff. Yeah, my notes are kind of all of... My handwriting is atrocious, you guys. Either way, the dude did a killer score. Or no, no. No, Harry Manfredini did a killer score. Um... Miller, I'm just going to call him Miller. I know for a fact that's his last also name. On, I don't know his. On last name basis. <laughs> yes, we're on a last name basis. Okay. Yeah. First name basis with Tom, last name basis Miller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, he, like, he straight up admits, like, that it's meant to be a Halloween ripoff. Yeah. He, he phoned it in so much. He phoned it in in all of his interviews. And I feel like that's the energy he had while he was writing the movie. And listen, I'm not saying I could write a better movie than that. I've never written a movie. I'm acknowledging that 100%. He wrote a movie and plenty of people consider it a classic, even the person that I have chosen to spend the last decade with. Um, I'm just saying, it, it's not a labor of love with him and mm -hmm. it definitely comes across. So that's true. Okay. Like in the commentary or we didn't listen to the commentary, but we did some of the special features. They straight there was up commentary. Yeah, there's like You didn't four. tell me there was commentary! There's like two or three commentaries. Alright, guys, I need you to know I love commentary. All of my favorite shows I have on DVD box sets and I listen to the commentary. I did not know there was commentary for this movie or we would have listened to it. We did watch every other behind-the-scenes feature, though. Yeah, even the stupid... Even, like, yeah, even the weird, like, fan fiction or whatever it was. I, we can talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, everybody except uh, Sean coming in Cunningham, the director, they all admitted that this was a ripoff of Halloween. Yes. This came out two years after Halloween came out. Okay. But here's the thing. Halloween, the characters were so much more well fleshed out. You actually cared about them. Even um, 
What's her name? Totally. PJ. Totally. PJ something. Um, totally. Like, you <laughs> care about her. Like, she's not just like a dumb... Di- like, she... You can see the relationship with her and Lori. Like, you... And her and Bob? Is it Bob? Yeah, or, Bob. Yeah. yeah. Bob the ghost. Yeah. My favorite. My favorite kill of that movie. Um, but you, you can see those relationships fleshed out and these counselors that come in. I am so confused about so many parts of these counselors. Like half, I've got four pages of notes here and I'd say over half of that is me just going like, how old are these kids? Who is who? Why do we care about them? The only one that I remember for sure is Ned because Ned's a fucking dick. He's not enjoyable. And it's not even like he's like a mean uh, bully dick. Like yeah. it's like a <laughs> aren't I so funny? Yeah, he's reckless. Like, yeah, yeah he's, he's reckless. He's got no safety awareness. I actually um, noticed like in the movie, like as it goes on, like some of the campers or the uh, counselors. counselors. We d- yeah, we didn't yeah. get campers. In well, this, this is movie. before. Yeah, this is, yeah it's before. Up. Yeah, she's way, trying to keep the camp from opening. As they're all disappearing, everybody keeps asking like where everybody else is, but nobody the entire time asks where's Ned. Yeah, they're just like, and the dude the first gone. one that's like, gone missing too. It's like. Obviously, nobody gave a shit about this dude. They cared about Kevin Bacon more. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, well, and Kevin Bacon had... I'm sorry if you guys are picking up my dog's tongue in your microphone. Um, she is... She's a part of the podcast, and we'll talk about her ratings for the movie later. Yeah. But she also likes to be licking things at all times, and we've gotten her a licking pad. We've gotten her Benadryl. We've gotten her allergy shots. We've gotten her squeezy peanut butter. We've gotten all kinds of things for her. Um, it's just who she is. She needs to be con- She needs to be showing love at all times. So it, I don't know how much sound a dog tongue picks up on a microphone, but that's where it is. She is here. She's clearly on my side because she came over to me and licked my arm. Okay. And we'll talk about my notes for Talia's rating at the end. Well, first of all, one of the things <laughs> that we rate, that we use her for as like a gauge of if she's interested in a movie or not is how often she scratches to go outside during this. And, and I need you guys to understand. We need you guys to understand. Me, Travis, and Talia need you to understand that we're not just saying this because we're obsessed with our dog. And full disclosure, we're very obsessed with her. Um, I think that's the first thing we tell people. We're like, hi, my name's Jessie. I have a dog named Talia. Like, um, not that we don't love our cats, but like Talia, she's a very big personality and she wants people to know it. The cats are like, give me some time, which is fair. They're an introvert. She's an extrovert. but she really does pay attention to what's on the screen. So my side She she loves baseball, for example. Mm-hmm. That's one of her favorite things. Um, and Train to Busan, she was very emotionally invested in. And we're going to talk about that movie later because I'm still mad three months later at Travis for making me watch that movie. I didn't know what we were about to watch. That was my first time watching the movie, too. But, yes. you know, um, it was good for what it is. But that's, but, that's yeah, a different but, but, thing. But that's, that's the whole thing. Is Talia, Talia has emotional reactions to things, including whether she wants to play through a movie or go outside to poop during the movie. And for the record, she didn't go outside any during this movie. We're going to talk about that. I've got a margin full of notes about Talia. Okay. We'll talk okay. about okay. it later. We'll get there later. Okay. I just wanted to, you know, so that way if you guys knew didn't know what that sound was that was coming through on my mic. It was Talia was licking my arm and my arm was right next to my mic. I'm kind of loud so my mic is away from my face. <laughs> so anyways. So anyway, I have um so we're just gonna go ahead and we're gonna start with Annie. She's gonna be the cook, right? Annie. This is where I get some confusion. 
right off the bat. This okay. is present time. So we hear church bells in this small town, which is making me, which is part of why I was like, is this a religious camp or is it just a small religious town? Yeah. And having gone to religious camps and having been from small religious towns, I guess, like it's 50 That is where I'm from. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're from a small religious town. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, oh goodness, uh, I did not give pause for dog response. So I think I already hated Annie because she saw the dog. She's like, hey, dog, and just walked past it, which is rude. I love that the dog <laughs> actually gave her directions, though. It was amazing. Like, she, like, asked the dog where to go. And I don't know, that they had some kind of connection. She's like, oh, I should go this way. Okay, thank you. I yeah. just had Tommy White so fast. Like, yeah. oh, hi, dog. <laughs> she walks away. Um, but, yeah, she, she, so she goes to this diner and we've got Ralph there who everybody just writes off and I can't tell if it's because like they think he's crazy I don't like the word crazy and we're gonna have a whole episode about mental health and horror um hold on just a second Ty is trying to play with toys because she heard us giving everybody attention um but yeah so Ralph is there and he's calling it camp blood and he's going on about how it's haunted and all this and that so right off the bat you're like is it a real killer or is it paranormal you've got some of the ambiguity sewn in early on I liked that so I liked like how the town felt okay I liked how it kind of like builds it up as like Camp Crystal Lake is like this ominous place I don't know like she goes into the diner and she asks the people um I can't remember exactly, like, directions or whatever. Yeah, she was asking for directions or a ride or whatever. Yeah, and then she gets the ride from that one dude who's basically, um, they're, like, basically giving, like, the break, so they're giving, like, little hints of, like, what we're going to find out later. Yeah, so we hear some some of the background. Yeah, we hear some of the background about things that have happened. They're very, like, it barely happens in this movie, too. Like, you barely get any information about what is because, like, I feel like it's kind of setting it up as Ralph is the killer. What does it say? Flat as pancake? That was the two-dimensional character. Oh, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Okay. So we don't know. We don't know. Is this is this paranormal? Is this, like, a person with a vendetta? I think that's cool. I think it kind of gives you that little bit of uncertainty. There is a little bit of uncertainty. Yeah. But the thing is, so we got Ralph out there calling it King Blood and all this and that. And then the truck driver, I did not catch his name. I did not catch a lot of names in this movie. I relied, yeah, I relied a lot on subtitles, even with the counselors who were supposed to know who they are. I relied a lot on the subtitles. Well, like said, they don't talking. really flesh out the characters in this movie. And, yes, you know, that's my point. <laughs> it's not necessary, okay? There's, it is in this movie. It's a slasher movie, okay. It's just a vehicle for, like, they're all just kind of there killed yes but we don't get to see most of the kills and this yeah so so that's part that's part of my problem with it and here's the thing the guy that's talking about um you know ralph gives this whole death curse spiel you know he talks about it you know he's he's the prophecy guy he's the doom prophecy guy he's like the town nut. yes he's the the harbinger and people don't take him seriously but they also give some credence to what he says and like i said i want to go into a whole thing about mental health and horror movie and that's going to be a whole episode all on its own um but the truck driver is driving 
driving her out there and really what he's talking about is nothing that sounds supernatural no. you know he just he talks about there were two kids murdered which presumably is Claudette and her boy toy I did not catch his name either um I, I caught his girlfriend's name Mary Ann I wrote down Claude and Mary Ann I did not catch his name um there was a drowning there were fires and then in 1962 the water was bad presumably it was like a poison issue or something um it's never fully clarified but none of that stuff sounds paranormal in any way so it sounds kind of like they're like ralph is blowing this out of proportion like it's just a string of bad luck but he's also a little superstitious that he's like it just seems kind of cursed but like the way you would be like you know i did all this happen at the camp Yes, all this happened okay. at the camp. This is what the truck driver is telling Annie. Okay. And then here's where I get really confused because did did he drop her off early because she didn't believe him, or did she ask to get out because she was getting weird vibes from him? I don't, I don't fully understand. I don't what think happened it's explained because yeah. all of a sudden she's in the woods and being chased. She is hitchhiking again. I know. Why is she hitchhiking again, though? Because the camp is in the town, and the guy said he was going to drive her. And I don't understand. I I don't know if I missed something, and that's why I'm asking. I don't don't think it's addressed. I think it's, like, you know, just standard, like, hitchhiker stuff. Like, um, I mean, I've never hitchhiked, but usually you, like, I can take you this far. Like, I'm not going to go all the way to Camp One because, you know, that shit is scary. But we see that several other times through the movie is that other people get rides to the camp. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Most of the people that are visiting the camp are cops, okay? And they're all looking for Ralph. That's true. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so it was just, it was just kind of confusing to me. And he's like giving this whole backstory, which I think it was a decent enough way to do exposition. You have to throw, yeah, you have to throw exposition in there somewhere. And I feel like, yeah, if you're, it's not subtle, but it it feels natural. It feels organic. Well, okay. Because if I'm hitchhiking, which I'm not hitchhiking, but if I'm hitchhiking and I'm like, Oh, what did Ralph mean when he said that this camp is cursed? And then he, like, explains it. That's a good way, other than just being like, Oh, so you're going to Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you about every bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. it's a decent way. It's a decent vehicle for exposition. I just don't understand what happened that she got out of the car and was hitchhiking again and gets picked up by this Jeep because apparently everybody in this town drives a Jeep. It's the source for so much confusion and murder in this movie that people see a Jeep and they're like, oh no, it's okay, it's a Jeep. I know the guy that drives the Jeep. It's my neighbor or maybe my neighbor's neighbor or the guy I go to trade. Like, was he driving a Jeep? Um, I don't know if he was, he was driving so, a truck. That, uh, Mrs. No, Voorhees was driving a Jeep. That comes into play later. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the whole thing, like when she's hitchhiking, a Jeep picks her up. And she's like, thank God you're here. I'm going to Camp Cross Lake. And then she gets chased around the woods. And then we actually get an on-screen kill. So we get to see her knife being, her, her knife, her, her yeah. neck being slit by a knife. Yeah. Um, Which was great. Um, yeah, that was our first on-screen kill. And I it was Annie. Was, yeah. And, and. <sighs> I thought that that was good. And it was good. And here's, here's my thing. I got, I had so many questions about all of this all the way through. So Annie is going to this camp. She's going to be the cook. Which, fine. She looks really young. Has she been working in kitchens? Is she just an enthusiast? How old is she? Like, we never get a clear answer of how old she is, what her kitchen experience is. They make a comment about her supposedly being really good at cooking. Like, they think that she's really well-suited for this job. And she is telling the truck driver how much she loves kids. And she's like, and I love to cook and I love kids and I don't cook the kids, which is really important quality in a camp cook. (laughs) 
But like she, she's just going on about how excited she is about this. So I know that the whole motivation is supposed to be that the camp doesn't open back up. But why is this kill going to be the person that is there that's excited to be with the kids? I don't get that right away. I don't get how she is old enough to have this like view of like, I want to make a positive difference in kids' life. And I'm a good enough cook that I'm going to be well-renowned amongst my peers okay. as a camp cook. And I love kids. And Mrs. Voorhees is going to be like, yeah, no. I, okay. So I don't understand why she killed her, okay? Um, as far as her being, like, too young for this, I don't know, man. They don't go into detail about that. She could just be somebody that walks young, you know? I, and that's what... But it's part of the character development problem I have. And I think it's a big thing. Um, because when we consider characters... I mean, there's different levels of tragedy... You know, if you're really young, it, it and this is this is awful to say because I think death is awful at any stage of life. And I don't want anybody listening to think that I'm saying that it's worse to die young. But there is a certain tragedy that's associated when you die really young. And from a more practical standpoint, most camp counselors are teenagers themselves, which is probably why we got into this dilemma in the first place, because teenagers are hella irresponsible. I don't think that they're teenagers, okay? And one but of the reasons why- But we get no clear answer why. No, well, it's not really, they're adults, okay? And are not, they? They are adults, yeah. How do you know? Well, I don't think a movie- Show your work. Okay, I don't think a movie would be having like the head counselor guy have a relationship with one of the counselors if they were young also. I but feel that like that could kind of be salacious. It. it could be that and that's my other thing. It is like it's not explained. Is is Alice is supposed to be she's the final girl and we know that the final girl is supposed to be pure and wholesome and whatever. This all of this all of this sexist bullshit. Set, no, but it came he straight up ripped off Halloween. We've established this already, yeah. right? And Lori is like I think that he is cute, but no, don't tell him. I'm pure. I am chaste. And I'm not saying, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, I love you so much. And I don't want you to think that I don't want, I love the character of Lori. And I can have a whole discourse about Lori. And we will. <laughs> but, um, but, like, her character was obviously meant to be very pure. Yeah. And Alice's character is just so much more amb ambiguous. Like, is she there to be a counselor? Is she, um, what did I, I, Sexy gay lumberjack is how I first wrote him when that's he true. when yeah, he appeared because he was wearing like the short shorts and he had the he had the bandana around his neck like an ascot and he yes. had the mustache like I was like all brush. right get it like I I felt it like it was cool and then I was like oh so he's been sleeping with is this his girlfriend but no she's supposed to be a counselor or is she just helping set up the camp I didn't know what her role was supposed to be there it was very unclear so it was hard to tell how she was going to be interacting with everybody else she liked that one guy. That was also there. I wrote his name down somewhere here, too. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't remember who it is. Um, but either way, like, clearly, and, like, she doesn't want to be there. She's she said several times that she's not sure if she's staying or not. Yeah. And she's clearly not comfortable in the camp setting. Like, she gets freaked out by the snake, which I'm sorry. If you're going to be a camp counselor, you have to expect to see some snakes. It's just a thing. Um, like, it... <laughs> There's just, there's so much about her that doesn't, I don't know what her role is supposed to be in the camp. Is she here kind of by mistake? Is she here out of love? Is she here because she wants to be a counselor, but she's out of her element? I don't know. It kind of takes away from some of like what could be perceived as tragic irony at the end. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that that's one of those things that I have problems with. 
Um, also, I wrote suspenders but shirtless, Bill. So Bill is the guy that <laughs> Alice likes, and Alice apparently, or Bill apparently likes suspenders, even if he doesn't like to wear shirts. Um, yeah, that's what that's that's his name. That's where I first paid attention to Bill. Okay, okay. So for the record, for the record, excuse me, I'm writing realistic characters because you know you're saying that they don't have any motivation and they're not pure. They're not following the rules of the final girl. That was not really established at this point. Okay, like this is very early on in like slasher history. Okay. Um, I think it's kind of cool that Alice wasn't, like, she didn't fit the mold of, like, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Like, I know it's, like, a blatant ripoff, but this is, like, one of the differences. Like, she's a real person. Like, she has a relationship with that guy. She's uncertain about, you know, if she really wants to be there or not, or what she's, like, wanting to do with her life. And she is, like, she plays, like, strip poker or whatever with them later. Like, she's... Okay. She's not restricted but to here's like the thing. That. It's not strip poker. It's strip monopoly. That's right. That and was so weird. Yeah. What I loved about that scene is that um, the other two characters are down to like two items of clothing each and she is still fully dressed. That's, yeah. So that's one of the things I get and I don't want anybody to think I'm <laughs> slut shaming because uh, no, people should be able to have sex and not be afraid. Like it shouldn't yeah. be a thing. And it's this whole trope in horror. And that I was just saying, because they're basing it off of Halloween and there was clearly this element of purity, purity that was associated with Lori. Um, but with Alice, it's a little bit more ambiguous. And there was even part of it that I was like, because we don't know what her age is. So I'm like, is there a predatory yeah. element to yeah. the lumberjack? Yeah, it kind of felt. And, and I, I, that's just how I was writing it in my notes because he just like, and I loved the look. I really did. Um, it fit the time. Yeah. yeah. It, like it was, it a, it was a really there. great look, but that yeah. was just my shorthand for it. Because like I said, I couldn't remember any of these characters names because I just didn't give a shit about any of them besides Alice. Like, so I had my shorthand until their names were clearly defined for you me. You didn't care about Kevin Bacon? He, he played a pretty character. You're calling him yeah. Kevin Bacon. You clearly <laughs> didn't care about his character. <laughs> Okay, that's a good point. Okay, well, okay, first of all, like, I mean, if you're watching one of these horror movies and you get, like, an actor like that, you're not going to call him, like, their actual name. You're going to be like, that's fucking Matthew McConaughey from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, because that's such a weird thing. Like, you'd seen these people in these, I guess, early in their career, but, Jennifer Aniston and Leprechaun. Exactly, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. I, I get what you're saying. Um... But yeah, it, it just, it's, she, she has more complexity because we're putting more attention to her and that's fine because she is the character that we're, she's our protagonist in this movie, you know, but we have so many other deaths before her and it's just like, what's the point? Especially because we're not even seeing it. Like in the later movies, it definitely becomes so outrageous. Yeah. And that's part of what I love about it. I love special effects. I love camp. I love over the top. And those later movies deliver it. But in this movie, like, we have the vehicle for the killings. 
Yeah. But we don't see the killings for the most part. I'll give you that. Okay. So. So it's like, what am I getting out of this movie? You know what I mean? I was really disappointed. It had been a long time since I had watched this and I was kind of disappointed. Partly because he has been with me for nine years and just every time he's like, do you want to watch Friday the 13th? I'm like, how about we watch Jason X? (laughs) Or how about we watch Jason Takes Manhattan? I love those. Those are great movies. Yes. I love those. But yeah. Okay. You got to remember all of the following Friday 13th movies because of how successful this one was, because how awesome everybody realized this was, they had a bigger budget, okay? They already pulled in Tom Savini, who clearly was, like, in high demand at this time, so they were wanting to execute the kills. And we don't get a lot of on-screen kills, but what we do get, they are super effective. They are. And I'm not saying they're not, but I'm saying, like, you know, you're talking about these characters are flat because they're just vehicles for the kill. I think this movie as a whole is a flat because it's a vehicle for the franchise. You know what I mean? I don't... He so says, you don't care about the character, he was but it surprised. gives you the kill in the story. He was surprised I that they were going to do a sequel to yeah. this. He just... All he wanted to do, and I'm, I don't know, and maybe it was a little bit of respect for him. All he wanted to do was rip off Halloween. Which, that's probably, admittedly, like, why I like this movie so much is because Halloween is my favorite movie of all time. Yes. Um, I, uh, down to the opening scene, like, that was straight up a Halloween ripoff, like, first person view, going into the building, Mm -hmm. getting the murder weapon, going upstairs. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it just, it, the only thing was it wasn't post-coitus and there were no titties. I made a note about no titties. Yeah. I, We don't know the age of these people at this time. This is early, early. I'm just saying, like there were no, there were no titties. Just, Are there any titties in this movie at all? Um, I. It's kind of surprising. Um, I don't think there is. I like there were some moments. Let me see. <laughs> There's none. I don't think there is any. But either way. Um. Okay. But yeah. So we've we've got we've got this cast of characters that we just can't really tell apart. One of them's Kevin Bacon. One of them's Ned, who's a dick. I wrote Ned, you ignorant slut, because he <laughs> just decides to shoot an arrow at somebody who is setting up the arrow targets, which is just you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself that your aim is on point. Which and Ned does features. not seem. Like, he is that confident in himself. That apparently was Tom Savini shooting that, too, according to him in the extras. I believe that Tom Savini is that confident. Do they, tr- do they really, like, okay, this dude does makeup really well. Like, let's let him shoot an arrow at me sitting right next to this. Tom Savini is a multifaceted person, Travis, and I mm. would wish you would not try and make him as two-dimensional as the characters in this movie. He kicks ass in makeup, but I would not trust anybody to shoot an arrow that close. Yeah. <laughs> But Ned, okay, I understand what you're saying about him being, like, a really unlikable character. And I feel like for movies like this, like, you kind of need that one character that you hate. Because when they get killed, it makes it that much more satisfying. However, his isn't another off-screen kill. We we don't see it on screen. We don't even have a timeline for really when it happens. Um, We kind of, it's like when the storm's happening. We have, like, a rough timeline. But the other thing is that, like... Yeah, he's an unlikable character, but his friends seem to like him. Like, they call him Nettie. They didn't care about him when he went missing. I know they didn't care <laughs> about him. Nobody asked about him. They're like, oh, that's just Nettie. Like, that's not, like, I've had friends like that that are just total dicks, and yeah, I love them for who they are as people, 
but I'm not like, oh, that's just silly willy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit there and give, like, I'm not going to tell them, like, that they're super cute. It's just, it's just weird. I have, um, our notes are sequential and we're not necessarily talking about these movies beat by beat, but I just, I really want to acknowledge some of the good directing choices that are in here as well, because I feel like I'm, I feel like it probably sounds like I'm being really harsh on this movie, and I'm not. I'm just trying she to justify just just why I feel the way I do. Um, so before Annie gets killed, when she's still hitchhiking and she sees the random Jeep, I love the way it's shot. That yeah. You see the Jeep coming up the street, and it, it, it or street, road, it's, yeah. a, it's a dirt road. Um, you see it coming up the road, and you can't tell who's driving. And I think that's such an effective shot because you don't really think much of it yeah. if the first time you're watching it because you're just like, oh, somebody's going to pick her up. She's hitchhiking. It makes sense. I think it's just such an effective way that it's shot. And like you said, the Jeep comes back and is important later. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I thought that that was a really nice touch. I think that yeah. there there are a lot of really good aspects of this movie. I think the soundtrack is amazing. I was really, yes. really struck by it while we were, while we were watching it. By the way, I wanted—I made a note when we were okay. We have lights in our place. By the way, we have a Pac-Man uh, ghost over here that lights up to music, and also a Christmas yeah, lights up. Yeah. They were wild and out, like so yes, hard. Yes, the we, yeah, we've got sound-responsive lights throughout our apartment yeah. because um, we're generally spastic people, I guess. <laughs> it was worth it though because it was kind of yeah, cool but like, it was yeah, worth it reacting. it's really great when we watch movies and we see that the lights are like oh this is the mood that we should be responding as yeah. um, it's kind of like our own personal applause sign in our, in our house <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah um, so we see I kind of I think the only character that got fleshed out any more than Atlas was Marcy she was the one that was always wearing red yeah and I know this because she was always wearing red. And I was like, is this because you blend in with every other character in this movie that isn't Alice? Um, but she looked really hot when she was on the raft. I was like, she's got hips. That's really nice. Like, it's good to see, like, a like curvy yeah. figure. Good for her. Um, good for her. She, um, so she's on the raft. And... Which one was she again? Okay. Like, I know The you're... one that was always wearing red. She, I wrote, Marcy, you're a hot weirdo. But I don't hate it. And that's later on. It's after the strip po- strip monopoly. So she's she, part of that. Okay. Yes, she's part of it. I remember her now. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think she she's the only other character that really gets any kind of dimension. And it's just barely. Like, it's not enough. It's yeah. enough that I'm like, you're a hot weirdo. But it's not enough. Like, it's just enough for me to care about her death. And I wish, like, every character had a little bit more of that. Um, but, yeah. So they're all in this raft. And then Ned pretends that he's drowning and this should be this is a whole thing because mrs Voorhees' motivation is that her son died because there's the reckless teenagers that are in charge of children in the whole the whole camp setup is so insane um and i mean teenagers and young adults i guess it varies from which camp you go to my Jesus camp, it was teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my, my roommate in college, she was a camp counselor. And obviously we were, we were seniors in college. So she was older, but it's still like, it's just like insane to think about how young somebody can be to look after somebody else that's so young. And Ned is in there and he's like, he's fucking around. He's pretending to drown. He's making his friends scared for him. And like, he really plays the bit. 
Yeah. You really think that something happened. So it's just, like, he's just so reckless. How did he get this job in the first place? I don't understand. No background checks. Yes, no background checks, nothing. I just wrote, why is Ned? Why is Ned? Because then we see him after the snake scene that I was talking about earlier, where everybody freaks out about the snake. You're working at a camp or in the wilderness. How yeah, do you, you should not be used to that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I grew up. I grew up going to the lake almost every weekend, and I just, you see a copperhead, you smash it with a log. I'm a vegetarian, and I want everybody to know I love the animals right now, but, like, it was just a thing. It was just a thing, because my parents and my friend's parents, which were my parents' friends, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they, like, they didn't want us to get bit by a copperhead, because that is, like, incredibly dangerous. So, like, we would be out in the water, and then we'd, like, I'd be like, oh, there's my uncle with the with the log. It must be a copperhead. You know what I mean? Like you just you learn those things if you're out in the woods enough. And I think I, I maybe I'm just an overprepare that I think if I knew that I was going to be a camp counselor and that I was going to be out in the woods, I would want to know a little something about the flora and fauna. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. That's fair. But then we cut from the snake scene. Oh, also during the snake scene, the bed just collapses when they jump onto it. So, has the furniture been replaced since the 50s? <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. I forgot how big of a scene, like, how big of an ordeal that was. Yes. Like, then, like, they're just destroying the whole cabin. They're trying destroying to... the whole cabin. The bed, the, it just collapses. And I'm like, what happens when you've got hyperactive children in there and they're jumping on the bed? Like, that's insane. Or what? Like, I don't know. I just... There's so I just think that Steve is that the camp the camp owner's name. I believe so. Okay, lumberjack shirtless. Let's just call him lumberjack. Lumberjack, yeah. lumberjack Steve. Um, it, yeah, it just it seems like he was not prepared because all these counselors are here a week early and he's they're barely having, even there. Yes, he's barely yeah. even there. Um, and like they're all supposed to be responsible for getting the camp ready. They're yeah. putting up. Alice is putting up gutters. I like. I mean, I know we don't get it. Was she putting them up or cleaning them? I thought she was cleaning. I thought she was putting them up. There's like hammer action involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just it, it he clearly wasn't ready for this. I don't think he seems yeah. like the type of guy. He's got he's got big ideas. He's got big plans, but he he lacks on the follow through. Yeah. Well, we don't really get much. Out we of don't him. get much of him. Yeah. But that's kind of the impression that I get. We all know those type of people. Um, I wanted to mention during that whole scene though, like while they're out there at the lake and he's pretending to drown, I thought it was really cool to have like that shot of like somebody like spying off in the distance because it kind of like makes you think it's Ralph. Like they kind of like plant that seed early oh, on. Yeah. yeah, they make yeah, you they think do. it's him. They do because we've got that scene and then we've yeah. got the snake scene and then and immediately, the immediately yeah. we have the scene where Ned is racist and wearing a shirt as a diaper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why do they have a, a headdress why is Ralph wearing it or Ralph why is Ned wearing it why is Ned why is Ned why is Ned yes. he's wearing a shirt as like a diaper I don't know if it's supposed to be quirky or funny I don't know he just comes across as incredibly immature but then this cop comes up in the car 
Tom is so hostile. He's so fucking hostile to these kids. Which if I saw Ned, I might be hostile to him, but he's so hostile to all the rest of them. He's looking for Ralph. And I get it, but it seems more like it's a welfare situation because they know that Ralph has these issues. It seems like he's got like some substance abuse history and, and some like, mental health history. Yeah, his wife's yeah. looking for him. It, and it seems like you get the impression that it's a small town and everybody knows Ned. And they're just trying to like, you know, locate him, make sure he's not getting into trouble, make sure he's not hurting anyone, make sure he's not hurting himself. But this cop is so mean to these people he doesn't even know. I think like, that's kind of part of the course for a cop, okay? okay? Just, and maybe, but it doesn't hold up with the rest of the cops we see in the rest of the movie. That's true. It's They're just, all kind of cool after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He just comes out there and he's just so hostile for no reason. And it almost like, is he meant to be a red herring? Are we supposed to suspect him? But at this point, I think, like you said, Ralph is meant to be the red herring because Ralph yeah. was missing. Ralph hits the camp, you know, yeah, he's all, all of this. Yeah, he's all the bullshit too. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm just left like, the cop felt needlessly mean yeah. and it just yeah he's a little just, bit, yeah, yeah he's he a was very much. hostile but, i mean i don't know he's probably put off by seeing ned doing his ned shit yeah oh okay my correction marcy's not the one that wears red it's brenda that wears red brenda. brenda wears red and then she wears nothing to go have sex with kevin bacon in the cabin when it starts to rain that's right that's right yeah. um speaking of kevin bacon by the way I don't think we we don't see her death, right? We see his death. Yes, I his death is awesome. Right. His is probably the best in the whole movie because that's the one where he's like just laying on the bunk bed and he's like smoking weed, and then all of a sudden like the arm comes out from underneath the bed and grabs him and just like shoves the arrowhead like right through the bed and right through his throat. Yes, that's that's it an amazing. Real. That's iconic. That's yeah. an iconic scene, and I think that is completely worth mentioning. And. Uh, it comes out of nowhere. So yeah, it comes out of nowhere. You get the dead body. You get you see Ned is in the bunk above him. Like they haven't noticed Ned up there. But yeah, like that just like it's been so long since I've seen that. Like seeing that scene, I was like, holy shit! Like that was awesome. Like that, like, yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, that that's a great scene. I think um, a big part of the problem that I have with it is that all of a sudden Brenda's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. But she goes out there and just like her shirt and panties and it's raining and she's just like, I'm going to go out to that. And it's like, where, where are yeah. the rest of your clothes? What's happening? Why are you... Why are you going out in these elements? You know what I mean? Was, it's it, like it, was it a separate building? I thought she was in the same building. She went out. She went out the building. I... Listen, we wrote these notes about a week ago. Yeah, it's been, um, we've been trying yeah. to get our equipment situation sorted out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I understand what it, you're saying. She, yeah, like, she, she has just, weird motivations. Like yeah, I said like, before, they're kind of just like a vehicle for this shit to happen, okay? Yeah, and I get yeah. it. Like, I get it. You do you do the sex, and you don't always want to put... You do the sex, you, you do the die. You do the sex, you do the die. You don't always want to put the pants back on in between, and that's fair. Yeah. Well, I, were, I feel like they were, like, going to go again. But yeah, going outside in the storm and not the bigger underwear, that is kind of silly. Yes, it just, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And then, like, cut in between the scene with Kevin Bacon dying and Brenda not wearing pants, we have, um, we have them playing Strip Monopoly, which we talked about earlier. And slowest stripping game ever, by the slowest way. Slowest stripping yeah. game ever. And... Um, we touched on this in our introduction episode, which if you didn't listen to it, I don't blame you. Don't feel the need to go back and listen to it. But my family is inc- is incredibly competitive. Um, 
It's true. And we're not allowed to play Monopoly anymore. And so the whole time they're playing this, I'm just like, this is the worst idea because you're going to get into a fight with somebody and your titty's going to be out. Like, I just... That's like the... That's like the best... <laughs> that diffuses all of, like, the hostility in that game. Like, you're naked. Like, the person is, like... It's like imagining, like, when you're public speaking, somebody with no clothes on. I don't know. I feel like the same thing applies. In, like, it's in just Monopoly, silly. you're out for blood. And clearly, yeah. Alice was of the same mindset as me. She could probably hang with my family she because wrecked. she's yeah, yeah. I don't think she took off any clothes. Like she's Maybe just like, shirt. like I don't know. yeah, but, like she's yeah. just she's just buying up all these properties. She's getting their rent. Like she's she's unrealistically good. And I think this is part of the moment where we start to really set her as the final girl because before you know we have all this ambiguity. We don't have a ton of character development for anyone other than like Alice is in this relation this ambiguous kind of relationship with lumberjack steve like we don't we don't have a real feel for anybody's character at this point other yeah. than ned being a dick and i think this was kind of part of it she's like oh, i'm smart you know what i mean yeah. like i feel like that that's where that's coming in um i can see that and then we see that like steve's jeep falls out so he can't drive back to the camp how does he get back again he ends up getting a ride with a cop. That's right. And he drops him off like halfway still yes, too. Because, See, because so that's the thing. That's, and that's yeah. the and that, and that's the thing. When when Miller was talking about writing the writing the script, he's like, How do we get all of these teens together without any adults around? Which obviously means that they're meant to be teens, but it's not that makes his relationship with Alice all the more squeaky. Well do we know his age? I mean, he could be like well, okay, I don't want to, like, say, like, anybody. He's obviously in a position of power, so yes. he shouldn't be doing this in He's the first in a position place. of power. He's he obviously older. Camp, maybe, yeah. or rent. I don't know. It's just, it's, it, I, I'm just uncomfortable with it. I don't, I need a little bit more clear lines to know how I feel about their That's relationship. Um, but, yeah, so he's just out, all of a sudden his Steve, his... His Jeep just stalled out. His Steve. <laughs> I said Steve because I was like, Jeep stalls. And we're also talking Steve about Lumberjack Steve. Out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, his Jeep just stalls out. And we don't really have any reason why. I don't I don't drive a Jeep. So I don't know if this is a common problem with Jeeps. But it just stalls out. So it just feels like very convenient. You know, it's like in, mo- like in modern day horror where they have to find a good reason for cell phones not to be working. Because... That's the thing now. Like, why don't you just call for help? You always have cell phone service. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the strangers always, like, smash their phones. And um, yeah. in your next, they put up the blocker. Like, they make it very explicit why you cannot. But the thing is, he's... Okay, I feel like the reason that that happens is, one, like, you can't have his Jeep already there when Mrs. Borges, like, comes back. Because I you agree. gotta have to make it think that it's him that's there. I agree. And also, he makes it back there on his he own. He does make it back there. I just want to know why his Jeep stalled out. Even if it had been one line when he was like, I'm going to go to town and like he had a false start with his Jeep and he'd be like, piece of shit. I need to replace the alternator or whatever. I don't know anything about cars. I don't know what causes the thing to stall out. Um, But, you know, if we had any kind of context as to like, oh, this could be a potential problem later. But we don't. It's just like all of a sudden his car conveniently doesn't work. That's true. And... So it slows him down, getting a ride back from the sheriff. And then it also means that when Mrs. Voorhees' Jeep pulls up, they think that it's Steve's. Yeah. Which is all fine and well to give the impression that it's Steve coming back. But we don't really... It just... It feels very convenient, which means it feels a little lazy to me. Okay. I can see that. I mean, 
they could have made that. I don't like when that stuff just kind of magically comes up to him. Like, if you're gonna do something, you probably should like make like put some hints earlier on in the film. I mean, kind of like how they did with like you know the boy drowning when the Annie is getting the ride from the truck driver or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're put like they're laying the groundwork about like what like who the actual killer is, like the reason, like the motivation behind it. But I mean, you know. Which gets us to the point, I guess, when Sporties finally does show up. Um, I don't know, it's... So, okay, at the point that Steve's Jeep stalls out, shit's going haywire back at the camp, right? Because, like, Kevin Bacon has been arrowed through the throat, Mm -hmm. Brenda has been murdered pantsless out in the rain, Ned died at some point, and nobody cared. Um, And then... (laughs) There's a girl that goes out and, like, goes to the archery range, and... Like, out in this storm. She's the one that's in red, right? The, yeah, that's Brenda. Okay. That's what I was saying. Like, why did she leave her clothes at the that's cabin? That's right. I've got she the yeah. Stuff. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got... Where's my note about Marcy? Yeah, so Marcy had gone out after they finished their strip, mono- strip monopoly. Um, and she's, she's out at, like, whatever the camp bathroom shower area mm-hmm. whatever it is i love this scene yes there. and it's so like she's just she's making impressions in the mirror she's quoting movies and like that's that's what i'm talking about yeah. you get that tiny little bit of character development with her yeah. and i was like oh cool she talks to herself like that's kind of funny i kind of appreciate yeah, her character a little bit right yeah. there yes um and like she's also i really appreciated also that she had like frizzy hair from the rain Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't often see realistic hair portrayals in Chad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we watched Hunted, which was a great movie, but I had a lot of complaints about the hair and makeup. Yeah. And the the hair thing, like they gave they gave Marcy realistically frizzy hair. If you go out in the rain, your hair is gonna be really frizzy. Um, and then that, so she gets killed in this bathroom. That and whole this setup is... that was awesome. Like you get to like the, that shot of like into the shower, and like you see like the movement back there. I you see it. That. I feel like it could have been edited a little bit better because Ow. it. So like I was talking about earlier with the with the fight flight or freeze right yeah and it seemed like she was meant to freeze but it didn't look like she was frozen it looked like she was given a stage direction that like you're gonna see the killer and you're just gonna wait for her to kill you that was another one off screen right yes yeah. so it, it, did, did they even show her like investigate like did she just like she's die just, yeah she's just in the bathrooms and then all of a sudden she turns around and the killer's there and she just doesn't move it's like a whole five second shot of her that she just doesn't move mm-hmm. and it's just like she could look more frozen in fear you know what i mean like i just feel like it maybe was not the best direction given to her because it seemed like she was just told to like stop when she's yeah like just stop when she sees the killer but it doesn't feel like she's stopping out of fear to me and just like she's like oh because especially like in retrospect when you're watching the movie you know it's this woman that's in like a turtleneck sweater like not at this point but she's told that's what i'm saying in retrospect like you know that's what she's seeing yeah but like this woman with this weapon and then the light goes out but it's like did the axe hit the light when she was swinging it, in which case that slowed the momentum down and shouldn't have killed her right away. I just really overthought Marcy's death because it just, it didn't, it didn't flow as neatly as I felt like it should have. I feel like that scene could have been cut by about 10 or 15 seconds and it would have been much more effective for me because I did 
I did like Marcy. She was a hot weirdo. I thought it was nice. Yeah. I love that scene. Like like I said, I like that whole setup. I liked how like you know, she's in there doing that and there's that movement in like the showers and behind the curtain and you can like see the killer back Which there. Which really yeah. plays on our primal fears. Yeah, exactly. Honestly. Yeah. Like it, it's a very real thing. I mean, even in the mornings when I I wake up before you to shower and I'm like, I need to peek behind the shower curtain I before I get too, too yeah, like before I get yeah. too comfortable in here, I need to peek behind the shower and make sure that I'm not gonna get killed with my defenses down. Um but yeah, it just it just becomes this whole thing. And this is where shit is like hitting the fan across the camp. Like they're aware that something weird is going on. Like Alice is like, oh no, things aren't right. And this is where I start to have a problem with Alice as a final girl, because like I said, we got some ambiguity. I don't know how I feel about her as a character yet and that's fine like maybe we'll get some more development and we do get some more development on her Mm -hmm. um but at this point like she's calling bill to come help her like she's like bill there's a scream at the archery range and now the lights are out can you go check it out and like she's not doing anything herself and it starts to kind of like really frustrate me and then like the generator goes out and then you know, she's like, Bill, can you come fix the generator? And he's like, go have a nap on the couch. And it's just like, what is she doing herself? I really want to have a strong female character to root for. And I just don't feel like she is completely strong until the moment that she is forced to being strong. And it's kind of frustrating to me. I don't think there's anything wrong with character growth and like being like a meek person. And I, I they halfway show her being meek and unsure of herself with the whole, I don't know if I'm going to stay at the camp or not, but I just, it's not enough for me to feel that full character development from her. And it's just, it's frustrating because it's like, how do I root for somebody that has like been asking other people to take care of things for her this whole time? You know what I mean? Maybe that's kind of part of like how, like at the end when shit gets real and everybody's dead, she has to, like, face these fears herself. Like, I, face these issues by herself. You know, I, like, maybe that's part of the setup. Like I get it, but I just feel like we stuff. don't see enough of that meekness from her right from the beginning. We see a little bit of, you know, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it's not, I just, it doesn't feel like enough, and it's not enough for me to root for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Would you and then, rather root for Marcy or whatever her name was? Probably. Yeah. Marcy was at least, like, she was a little bit more interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> then Bill is out there checking out the archery, and he gets, uh, he or no, he's not checking out the archery at this point. Uh, Alice comes out of the cabin, and yeah. she sees that Bill has been killed with arrows. And I just wrote, why was Bill the one killed with arrows? Why was it not Ned, since he was willing to try and shoot his friends with arrows? That's a good point. They should have done that. That would have been perfect. Yeah, that's like payback for being such an asshole yeah yes hmm. i just i that would have made me feel a lot better yeah. um we got taya over here trying to play yeah so. we got we got taya has a crinkly toy that she's decided that she needs to bring out in this moment because she knows we're getting ready to talk to her rating on this movie um, but we're not quite there yet, Pup. Let us finish up. Yeah. Um, we're at the, like, the point where it's Alice versus... Yes, it's yeah. Alice versus Mrs. Voorhees. Um, so she's figured out that the Jeep is not Steve, and she goes back into the cabin, and it was a smart idea for her to barricade. I will give her that. Like, she's, like, tying the rope and all yeah. of this and that. Well, first of all, she... But the door swings outward! 
So why was she putting, why did she make so much time and effort to put the bear, like, cause I get that a barricade could slow somebody down, but, like, the, like, the door swings out, and when she decides that she's gonna leave the cabin, because, um, somebody's body gets thrown through the window, right? So mm-hmm. she's taught, she decides she's gonna run through the front door, she moves the barricade in, like, five seconds, so it wasn't even enough of a barricade to slow somebody down. No. Right? It's like, a it's moment just, of panic. panic. It's, like, you know, it's like the beginning with mm. the girl throwing the box. Like, she's like, shit, I gotta, like, throw shit in front of the door. Because that's what you do in this scenario. I mean, you know? I get, there was at least a little bit more of line of logic with that. And I will I will give some credit to that. But mm-hmm. it just, it it was kind of like she, she, made, she made an okay-ish decision. But I still wish it had been better. Okay. Um, but then she, then she goes to the Jeep. And finds Annie's dead body in there and decides that that means that she can't drive the Jeep. And I don't get that decision either because, yeah, it's really traumatic to see a dead body. But if you yourself do not want to be a dead body, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think that's stupid. I agree with you there. And it's almost like, did Mrs. Voorhees know this was going to happen? Because she killed Annie out in the woods up against a tree after Annie had ran a bit. So did she carry Annie back to the Jeep so for this exact moment? You gotta like dispose of the evidence, I think. Like Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't really think that she's running with like a game plan here. She's just like, Oh, are you a camp a counselor? Okay, cool. Like I'm gonna kill you. Like that's it. Like there's like the the motivation here it's very loose, okay? And she's just somebody who I don't know, she's snapped and she's I don't know. <laughs> Killing people for being a camp counselor. See, and then, on, um, so. then this is this is where it comes down to, and um, Mrs. Voorhees gives Alice all of this explanation as to why she's doing the killing, mm-hmm. which leads me to wonder: Was Mrs. Voorhees given the script beforehand to be like, "Oh, this is the character get that gets." Most development. This is the character get, that gets to hear is that about Betsy Palmer? evil master plan. No, I'm talking about Mrs. Voorhees as a character. Why did she decide that Alice gets to hear what her master plan is? Why did she decide that she's gonna smack Alice around a little bit before killing her? She's the Everybody only one that gets else, a chance. That's what I'm saying. Everybody else is dead, like right away. That's what I'm saying, though. Why? Because she Why? actually put up a fight. She tried killing Alice first. Well, first of all, I mean, you kind of see it at the beginning, like. When she gives Annie the uh, the ride, first of all, she doesn't know that Annie is a camp counselor, so I guess that's probably why she's giving her a ride in the first place. But she doesn't like kill her immediately. She fucks with her, okay? She just chases her. She doesn't fuck with her that that's much. That's kind of fucking with her though. She like she drops her. Okay, do you not remember? Like she drops her off, and then she like. I think I'm remembering this right. She, like, backs up and yeah, like, like, goes back to her. Yeah, basically yeah. Annie forces her away out of the Jeep, and then she, like, comes back and she uses yeah. her. But she doesn't give her this whole backstory about why she's Maybe doing she it. Maybe she did. I don't know. It's, it's only played on this part of the movie to, like, finally, like, make it a reveal. You don't know what's happened beforehand. Like, only for the ones that we, the few that we've seen on screen. Which, those are quick. But, you know. I, it just it just is so weird to me, and it's kind of part of the problem that I have with Mrs. Voorhees as a killer in this first movie because it feels like her motivation is really unclear. Because the the whole the whole Friday the Thirteenth, if you ask why people get killed, because they have sex, right? That's what well, we associate. No, with the Friday the Thirteenth series as a whole, 
if you have sex, you die. That's the immediate association I think a lot of people have. It's the immediate association I have. And it makes sense when Jason comes back because that's his hard and fast rule with it. And Mrs. Voorhees says that she wants to stop the camp from opening, which makes sense. You know, she's yeah. got the fires, you know, she's got the poisoned water, like all of that makes sense. But then she, the first person she kills from this new season of campers and camping is Annie, who says that she loves kids and she really wants to be there to take care of them. So why isn't Annie the final girl? You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that she was going to be the final girl. Like, it had been so long since I saw this. I was like, oh, is this her? Like, I don't know. I, I kind of thought that that was cool, okay? To, like, kill off this person that you think is going to be the final girl. I mean, I get what you're saying. You're making good points. Like, it is kind of silly to just, you know kill these people who don't have the same intentions as like past counselors like you don't know if this person's gonna like, have sex if she wanted yeah. to kill ned that's fine that's fine yeah, he's not a good it's not a, i mean you know death, cared about death might be a little bit harsh but definitely he should have been fired like if she was like he doesn't need to work at this camp that's one thing yeah you know what i mean uh, and she's like well kevin bacon is like taking off his sunday shoes all the way that's cool <laughs> yeah. like I just, her motivations feel a little unclear, and I think she's so far driven by grief, and it's just, like, they try to give her this whole reason of why she's doing this killing, but it's not really consistent, and this is what is going to bring me to probably the most controversial opinion I will share tonight, which is that I do not like the ending of this movie. That... That is so... I'm sorry. I love you, but that is stupid. Like, it's such a good... Okay. I'll... Okay. That... If we had ended... If we had ended with Alice decapitating Mrs. Voorhees on the beach, I would say that there's... There's a character arc there. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... It's not great. It could be fleshed out more. But, like, we see, like, you know, she, from the beginning of the movie where she's like, I don't know if I'm going to stay or not to, like, you know, I'm going to kind of hit Mrs. Voorhees when she's attacking me to I'm going to straight up tap a your tate. Like, that is, that's a whole character arc. If she, if it had ended with that, I would accept that as an ending, mm-hmm. right? Because we've had this whole thing. Of, is this a paranormal issue with this camp? Is this a realistic issue? Is there somebody that's out to sabotage it? And we've had this whole like past 15, 20 minute chase of Mrs. Voorhees following Alice around the camp, explaining to her why she's been doing the things she's been doing. So we're like, okay, this is firmly rooted in reality. She's upset and she's got a reason to be, uh, you know, probably not the best way to react, but it makes sense yeah. in, in, in its own way. If you, it follows horror movie logic, right? Yeah. But then she knows that the killer has been decapitated because she just did it. And she gets into a canoe to go out into the middle of the lake. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the music. And this is where I wrote the note about the music because I love the music throughout. I. It's great. He, just, he did such a good job with the music. It felt so intentional because you don't have these random cuts between music. You don't have random background music. Like you have, it's all very intentional and it feels very intentional. And that's including when she's like floating on the lake and you see the cops coming. And even though this is the first instance of like peaceful music, non-ominous music, 
you have kind of a sense that something more is coming, mm-hmm. right? And he even talked about it in the behind the scenes. Like, he was talking about, you know, I want to do this, like, what would be seen as a closing credit, fade-out music, and, like, you're just waiting for, for the credits to roll, you know? Yeah, like and, Sabina said, like, they framed it like that. Like, okay, you like, give no, like, no, enough room Sabini, on No, it was Sabina, it was Manfredini. Okay, yeah. somebody said that you have to give <laughs> enough room for, like, the credits to roll, yeah. Yes. And it was it was really well done, and I will give it at any bit it ended there. That would be fine. Mm-hmm. Jason jumping up did not do anything for me other than being a cheap scare because it didn't it didn't fall into the narrative of the movie because all of a sudden we have this child who died what like twenty oh, years ago yeah it was a long time like, ago yeah he did, but he's still alive and he's jumping mm-hmm. out of the lake and it wasn't just his mom or was it just his mom? Did she not know that he's still alive? Because maybe she wouldn't be doing all this if he was still alive. And it, it just, it ruins everything that we have built up until this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. It ruins it for me. And I know that this is seen as one of the best moments in horror history, but I just, and like the moment itself, if you take the scene on its own, cool. It's scary. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, and they even talk that that scene is also in and of itself a ripoff because they talk about how they ripped it off exactly. from Carrie. Yeah, I was going to um, bring that up. Yeah. And that's the only reason it was added in because they felt like they needed one final jump scare. And this, I think, is part of where, you know, people just hate jump scares because they don't always make sense within the context and story of a movie. And this is one of those that it just doesn't make sense for me because we've got this whole this whole story that's just happened everything has wrapped up besides you know her getting her final girl you know like i am officially safe or am i you know what i mean yeah and then she get the the or am i comes from this character that we've been told is dead and we've been told that this whole movie is based in reality but suddenly maybe it's paranormal and we know from later movies there's definitely a paranormal element i don't know it just not really it, it ruined the emotional impact of everything for me it just it straight up ruined it. Okay. Those are actually some good points, okay? Because hearing initially that you don't like the ending of this movie, like, that is crazy for me. Because, I mean, despite what you say, I was, so it kind of just comes out of nowhere. Like, I understand that it's a ripoff of Carrie. Like, that kind of cheapens it a little bit for me. That's not even what bothers me about it. Well, it bothers me a little bit. But, like, I don't know, man. I love that stuff. Like, anything unexpected like that. Ripoffs don't bother me because there's only, like, so many stories out in the world. You just have to do it well on your own. And I just feel like this movie didn't necessarily do everything well on its own. See, I disagree. I feel like it did things well. The teens being killed off one by one. I love love that kind of setup. It's a great setup that I will thoroughly enjoy watching all the time. But if I'm going to look at it through this lens, no, I don't think it's effective. I don't think it necessarily deserves to be considered a classic because it just isn't done as well as it could be. And same thing with this final jump scare moment. It could be done really well at the end of the movie, regardless of what it's being ripped off or not ripped off from. But it just doesn't fit the story. Well, okay. To be fair... At the end, when she's at the hospital, she's talking to the cop, and she's like, what about the boy? And he's like, we didn't see a boy. Like, they did not intend for that character to come back. This was, like, planned as a single movie, okay? They did have the little... Okay, they did... No, 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 listen. They had... They Immediately after that, they, like, make another shot of the lake, and you see air bubbles. So you... And, like puts like another little bit of doubt into it 
but like it's not anything concrete like it doesn't immediately like veer it into supernatural shit like it's like really what it is is it's a jump scare at the end and it's a really well done one like I don't think it's a cheap jump scare at all I think it's really well done and it's just kind of also there to just kind of plant a little bit of doubt like was that real like I don't know I just I feel like I feel like it ruins what little emotion we were able to build up throughout the movie it completely negates it okay that's yeah that's fair it kind of does like based off of what you said like it, it the movie was building up I'm to just it saying, all it, it's one of those movies that if you and I were watching if it came out in 2021 and we watched it and that ending happened mm-hmm. you would be pissed I've seen you have reactions to movies that have like that, to that? extra like it's all about execute. If it was executed poorly, then I would probably hate it. I would probably hate this one right here too if it was executed poorly. But it's all about the execution with this right here. Like I feel like that's kind of like when it comes down to it, that's the difference between you and me with this movie. Like you care a lot about like what is like beneath the surface, like kind of what drives the movie. This like, movie is people. all surface though, Travis. Exactly. You, you you're not getting the things that like kind of drive you to care for these things or like entertain you I don't know for me I take it for what it is and I appreciate it for what it is I don't think it's trying to like be like anything deep I I just feel like it's just trying to be a scary movie it's ripping off some like previous successful scary movies and it's doing a good job of ripping those things off like it's doing the same like similar things but it's doing enough different to like set it apart but i don't think it's doing enough different but also doing enough different well that's where we disagree because i feel like it's doing a great job of like everything that's doing it i mean you've brought up a lot of good points like it, it, yeah it's See, and, not... and and here's the thing when we're going to talk about all the friday the 13th movies we're not going to do them all in order because we are we don't want to burn we're, ourselves we're, out we yeah, don't we're burn a little else baby podcast yeah. and we're not going to do what 12 there's 12 movies there's 12 of them, okay. and we're not going to do three straight months of friday the 13th and um, just because that's who wants that some people want that i i don't want that i don't want that either um no. we're probably going to do about one a month so over the next year we'll go over them and i think in later movies i'm going to have much more favorable opinions because they're going to be a lot more aware of what they are that's why i love camp because it knows what it is and oh, yeah. this movie I feel like it had so many great elements, but there were so many poor elements, and they just competed in a way that was not compatible for me. Okay. Well, um, now that we've gone through basically the whole movie, um, do you want to do final ratings? Let me see. Let me make sure I don't have any special notes from the behind-the-scenes stuff that we watched. Um, Basically, all the Adrian King made a poster yeah. for the film Wait, that what? she yeah that she when we watched the little bit with Sean Cunningham because he's got the studio in his house which I think is kind of cool like he because oh, yeah, he never expected yeah. all of this to take off the way it did um, and apparently Adrian King she made she made a poster of the film and gifted it to him and I was like that's pretty cool I, she seems all in all like a fun person. Um, I thought that whole extra was kind of weird. She really didn't want to come back for the second one because she was having stalking issues, which that's how it's scary. Um, 
But yeah, she seemed like she seemed to just really enjoy the experience for what it was, and she seems like she's got a whole lot going on, you know, like making the poster. I love I love knowing that she did that. Um, but I also thought it was really funny because we saw some footage from them at a comic con or scare con or yeah, yeah a convention, um, and she did she did a scream because she yeah. knew she was known what she was. She was known for her scream. That's how she got hired. And I just had flashbacks to the Halloween costume contest at our favorite local brewery where I won a screaming contest. So Adrian King, somewhere out there, if you are listening and you want to scream together sometime, just let me know and we'll make it happen. I would love to. You know, it scared us. Hopefully. Yeah. See you at the conventions. (laughs) Um... Oh, I, I wanted to, I wanted to make a note like that. Whole oh, I also special. wrote that Tom Savini. Tom looks like Julian from Trailer Park Boys, and yes. I just want I want everybody else to have that same mental picture that I have. It's important to me because he's like he's got the hair, he's got the facial facial hair, he's Except got the see. black shirt. Yeah. like just maybe I'm in my head now. I my head canon is that they base Julian off of Tom Savini because I bet. I bet in an alternate Trailer Park Boys timeline, they that Julian does special effects makeup, like for for one of um, um, J Rock's like porno flicks. Yeah, like he yeah. does the special. <laughs> he does the makeup for one of J Rock's pornos. Yeah, I guess you. Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, the Lost Tales of Camp Blood Part One. That's what we're talking about. The weird. Uh, oh, that it up. It, no, it's a. I think it's kind of like a fan made film. Okay. So like, it's each part is like I think just put into like each different disc, like each movie. Okay. Like that one came with Part One, and then you get the other parts as as it goes on. Um, it was really weird though. I don't. Uh, that's a different thing. It's not good. Yeah, it was kind of... They had some cool kills in there. Probably yeah. cooler than in the first actual... Okay, it did, yeah, it did a couple. Oh, no. <laughs> At not as cool effects. I'm just saying, like, cooler kill mm, concepts. Okay. I'm not I'm not trying to say anybody's better than Tom Savini. Okay. I'm just... So clear. Okay. Okay. So that we've had a good, thorough debate. Let's see if we've changed each other's minds any and give our final... And we're doing ratings out of 10 instead of out of the traditional 4 or 5 because I have my Master of Science and I believe in sensitivity of scales to really try and understand um, if change has actually occurred and if it's significant. Don't be expecting any p-values from me though because I'm not trying to do that. All right, Travis, write your rating of how you feel about this movie after we've talked. Okay. Okay. I got mine. All right. What's yours? You've actually convinced me to lower it just a tad, a six out of ten. It's not much, but you made some good points. Um, it is kind of a very surface level movie, and it lacks a lot of like, I don't know, easily. A lot of things, like, they could have laid the ground better for a lot of things. Um, but also, I feel like that's kind of, in certain areas, like, it's strong point. Like, it doesn't necessarily explain everything, so you don't really know what to expect. Like, I mean, when you see Mrs. Borges at the end of the movie, that 
kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, they barely laid the groundwork for that earlier in the movie when, like, the truck driver is, like, explaining about, like, the incident back in the day. But, you know. Yeah. Well, my my ratings stayed the same. It's still a 6 out of 10. But my reasoning is different. Because it's not just, like, oh, it's better than I remembered. It's that it's got some decent some decent jumps, some decent moments. Um, I just feel like it's lacking in a lot of things. So same score, different reasoning, but our average score went down from 6.5 to 6.0. So I think we're going to call this round Jesse. Jesse wins. Jesse wins. Um, And then we're going to, we're going to go on to Talia's rating. Okay. Like we said, normally the first thing Talia does when we start to watch a movie is she scratches at their door to go out. We live in an apartment, so it's not as simple as just letting her out into our backyard. We have to put her harness on her, sometimes her sweater if it's cold out. Uh, It's a whole thing. But for this movie, Talia actually did not scratch any any amount of times during this movie. She actually watched it. She watched she watched the beginning. I wrote it down. I wrote yeah. it down. She watched the beginning scene with uh with Claudette the with Claudette and her boy toy. Uh-huh. And then she watched the dog and then she went to sleep. After the, dog the dog was a highlight. Yeah. She's like, the dog's done, I'm yes. done. Yes, after the dog yeah. was done, she was done. And she slept until the very end where she started barking in her sleep and then she farted herself awake. So I'm going to, taking all of that into account, I'm gonna say that Talia is probably in agreement with us that it's a six out of ten. You know, not enough to go outside, but, you know, maybe enough to think about going outside via the butt gases. Dream about going outside. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Okay, that's fair. I, I think that's right. All right. And one final thing to discuss with this movie this week. Um, which character did you relate to the most while you were watching this movie? Um, I, uh, I feel like it's got to be Kevin. Bacon. I don't remember his name, but Sugar work. He was the most chill out of them. Um, I don't know. He was the most likable. I don't think I'm a Ned. Um, I could say Alice because you know I feel like I share a lot of characteristics with her, but I don't know. I feel like Kevin Bacon was just—he was a—he's a good guy. I don't know. He was just like a guy that was just hanging out there. He seemed like a good enough guy. They didn't really delve. Uh, into his character that much, but he was there to teach kids how to do camp and just, you know, not lose his feet. I think that I probably related the most to, um, I'm going to say that I related the most to the snake. Okay. That they tried to kill. Yeah. Because they never actually did kill it, and everybody was just completely overreacting to it, and I was kind of mentally piecing out way about that time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wasn't really mentally piecing out. But, um, you know, I I saw the furniture break, and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't the place I want to be. Okay. That's fair. (laughs) Okay. Right. Any final thoughts? Um, It's not my favorite Friday the 13th movie. I think you're right about that. It's nobody's favorite Friday the 13th movie. I firmly believe that anybody who says it's their favorite Friday the 13th movie is kidding themselves. But it's much, like you, it's much better than I remembered it. It is better than I remembered it. Um, I avoided it for such a long time because I remember whenever I had this, my parents bought me this movie when I was a kid and I was expecting Jason and I watched it. It was all in first person, so no view of the killer until the very end and no Jason. 
which really disappointed I Travis. Think, as I a think kid. that's everybody. I think that's everybody when they watch this. They expect Jason, they don't get Jason, and they're like, oh yeah, it's not actually this movie that I like. People like the franchise, they don't necessarily like this movie. But I feel like I'll before I would not have recommended you like watch this if you wanted to like get the essence of like Friday thirteenth. But now like I would usually say like start with part two, but I would throw it in there now. I feel like it is it's good. Like it lays the groundwork for what to expect for the franchise. Like it's a Halloween ripoff at heart and it stays that way throughout the whole series really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it it sets itself apart enough, but you know, I would recommend it. Well, until next time, um, this is What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie? I'm Jesse. I'm Travis. Thanks for listening. Thanks.